where two babes blab about biology and compete to outweird each other with the most outlandish bio facts. We are your hosts, Libby and Kelsey, and we cannot wait a moment longer to introduce today's exciting guests. That's right. Yes, plural. We have two whole friends at least. Y'all want to introduce yourselves? I'm Taylor and I am excited to be here on Bio Babes. Yeehaw. <laughs> Happy to have you. <laughs> I'm Luke. I'm a social media mogul and Sasquatch's worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Strong introduction. I love that we invited the president and member of Birding Club. Treasure. President and treasurer of Birding Club to talk about not birds. (laughs) Not birds. Taylor and Luke are self-proclaimed cryptozoologists here to tell us all about cryptids. To start us off, how would you guys define a cryptid? I'd say a cryptid is something that your mom tries to convince you exists out in the wild, but you're not sure if it's real or not. <laughs> you did that <laughs> whole bit just to make it your mom joke. <laughs> <laughs> I was really working the gears trying to your figure out how to get your mom in there. <laughs> your mom probably does. Your mom is a cryptid. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Kelsey's yeah. mom, if you're listening. Oh, she's she not, does. does not know this podcast exists. We'll get into that in the outro. <laughs> yeah, there's a nice spot to talk about Kelsey's mother later. Perfect. <laughs> Luke, what's a cryptid? A cryptid is any unknown or mysterious animal that scientists still haven't discovered. That's very nice. intellectual. Well, I can't wait to hear what you guys have brought to us today. As always, we don't know what the others are going to tell us about, so we'll be reacting live. Wait, but we don't know what order we're presenting in yet, right? This is true, but I have a letter waiting in my email inbox. It's from our Alaska producer, and she is going to tell us the order in which we present. I haven't opened it yet. That would kill me with suspense. Yes, this is very clue. If the lights turn off, we're going to hear a glass break and a scream, and somebody's going to be dead. (laughs) Are you guys ready? says, Dearest listeners, I decided to host a competition amongst the biobabes and guests so as to decide what order their facts will be presented. I alone hold this knowledge to the time that this is being read. The only rules were to send me your best sell, a quick paragraph, an unhinged poem, a picture, whatever you want under these guidelines. I judged these facts based on which was the most unhinged, based only on any previous knowledge I hold and the submission sent to me. These were hard to rank, and I hope that I sufficiently ordered them so as to increase the unhingedness with each subsequent fact. So without further ado, let's find out what order these facts will be presented in. So first we will hear from Luke, then we will hear from Kelsey. Third, we shall hear from Taylor. Perfect, that's where I wanted to be. And finally, your winner is me. Hell yeah. Fuck you guys. (laughs) (laughs) If you thought this last episode was unhinged, buckle in for a wild ride. All the best, Alaskan producer. All right. I realize this is probably a bad time to go put shorts on, but I'm gonna have to. I am fucking wet. (laughs) What have you guys heard about the chupacabra? It's a goat sucker. A goat sucker? That's what the name means. It's a goat sucker. I'm pretty sure. I know. That is supposed to be La Chupacabra and not El Chupacabra like it is on the menu at Conflux. Wait, is... <laughs> wait, Law Law is female. Mm-hmm. The chupacabra is a woman. It's a lady? Just like God. <laughs> Hey, that was I, don't, powerful. I don't know. The, the first witness saw I was missing an asshole, not a penis. I mean, I mean anything could be missing an asshole. We yeah. got that anything booty booty. except for a monotreme. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm out of groceries. I've been living out of pantry summer sausage, charcuterie, and, and like Swiss cheese that you have to cut the yellow off of oh. is a new low for me, and I really need to go get groceries. <laughs> What did this have to do with a missing asshole? Because it fucked me up the other day and I shit oh. eight times in four hours. <laughs> it was like, it was like horrible little, it was horrible little 
dry like goat poops. It was no. <laughs> so, how long ago do you think the chupacabra, like stories of the chupacabra came? I bet that shit's old. I like didn't hear about it. It didn't seep into the media, it seems like until recently, but I assume it's probably like a an old thing. I'm going to firm 1872 when Columbus <laughs> sailed the ocean blue. 1872. <laughs> Stories of the Chupacabra began seeping through in 1970s, actually. Oh, that's more recent than I but, expected. Oh, right when people got really into LSD. I get it now. Yeah, but the mm-hmm. more the more mainstream sightings happened in 1995. So the story goes in 1995 that the Chupacabra was seen killing goats in Puerto Rico. The Chupacabra's description in a book uh, chasing the Chupacabra. I actually got this. Uh, yeah. You bought you, a book you for this No, I rented it from the library. The library has this? It's a, a great book. <laughs> Highly suggest reading it. It's by Daniel Radford. It's amazing. This might be the first time that BioBabes has had, like, a source. <laughs> Someone read a book for this. Scholarly. Yeah. Okay, so the Chupacabra, the description is, it's a bipedal four to five foot creature with short but powerful legs, long claws, and terrifying red or black eyes. Kelsey meets like half of the requirements. <laughs> I was about to say, I know, this. I know this girl. You come into my house. Some claim that it has spines on its back, and some also say that it emits a sulfur-like smell. Then the others even go back. <laughs> uh, Kelsey, sulfur-like smell. <laughs> I did just talk about how I only use ice cubes to cool off hard-boiled eggs, so maybe and, so. And how you shit eight times. <laughs> yeah, but it happens. It was the summer sausage. You don't smell like sulfur, Kelsey. <laughs> Thank you. Some people even go as far to say that it can change colors, it has wings, or even reptilian. That's a broad spectrum of forms. Yeah. The first accounts, as I mentioned, were in Puerto Rico, and livestock in this town were started dying mysteriously with two holes in their neck. It was mostly goats, but some chickens as well. This continued for about half a year until the first sighting by Madeline Tolentino of, oh, I'm gonna butcher this town name, Caravanas, Puerto Rico, saw this at her mother-in-law's property. So the, her sighting of this, her description goes like this. It was a bipedal animal with dark gray or black marks that ran to its temples. It was four feet or less, and its arms were long with three long fingers. The hair was short and well combed. It had skinny legs with goose feet. <laughs> goose feet. Hold on. Goose feet? <laughs> goose feet. Goose feet. Yeah. Excuse me while I Google goose feet. Let's see how scared I need to be. Won't be the first time. The, the chupacabra also had two small holes for its nose and a slash for its mouth. It had feathers, in quotes, on its back that were connected by a red membrane. That's so many adaptations. Honestly, <laughs> if I saw like... a bipedal creature with goose feet and claws... I'm running. That's well, not a combo. where do you run? He's running on land. He's got goose feet, so you know he can swim. You're not safe anywhere. Oh, yeah, the flat, the slap <laughs> sound as, it, as the chupacabra runs for you. Somehow that's a little less scary to me if it sounds like it's just, like, running in flip-flops. <laughs> like, like the, the claws are scary, yes, but if it's coming after me and it's just, like, it, it, it's a little bit sillier. And it's honking. <laughs> uh-huh. Honestly, though, the chupacabra might just be a goose, and isn't that scary enough? So, in the field of cryptozoology, misidentification is a pretty big issue. And a lot of things point to the chupacabra being misidentified. Mm-hmm. One of them is how detailed Tolentino's account is. She had basically a superhuman level of detail. She remembered details from the color of its eyes to the fact that it was missing its butthole. It had no butthole. Yeah, how do you really scope that out? As, like, I assume the thing's on the move. <laughs> she just lay down and scooched under. She, That's she how I imagine looking. it. <laughs> <laughs> she really wanted to find the asshole and was disappointed when it wasn't yeah. there. 
Um, another problem with her sighting was that she claimed there was a presence of slime. Uh, she claimed that the creature left trails of slime on the dead animals and surrounding areas. This is false for a couple reasons, because on all the dead animals, no slime was ever found. But in an interview with Linda Moulton Howe, an American investigative journalist, she denied the presence of slime. Tolentino <laughs> went back on that claim. I love the debate in which you're denying the presence of slime. <laughs> Um, There's no goddamn slime. Ah! <laughs> slime deniers these days. There was slime, I swear. So Linda, <laughs> Linda had more to comment on this slime. She said she spent two weeks in January of 1996 investigating the chupacabra phenomenon, but she never had any slime to slime to analyze. There were a lot less credible sightings, and one of them was actually Tolentino's ex-husband. Michael Agosto. Oh, you know he's a bastard. Oh, wait. I shouldn't I'm, slander him. I don't know anything no, about No, he, he was trying to capitalize on this fame. Mm, he said that the creature shaves the prey's neck before it feeds, something that wasn't spotted on any of these dead goats. He also said, which is my favorite part of this encounter, he said the chupacabra controlled a police officer with ESP, which stands for Extrasensory Perception, to control the officer not to shoot him. Where, who, do, has anyone gotten the officer's take on this? It that was, he was Jedi mind fucked <laughs> by a chupacabra? It wasn't in the book, unfortunately. <laughs> so I mentioned that I would talk about some of the things that people believe chupacabras are. Um, one of the most prevalent theories is that it's some type of canid with sarcoptic mange. And sarcoptic mange is a skin infection that results from Sarcoptes scabi, a type of mite. Yum. And it results in extreme itchiness with hair loss and red scaly skin that typically starts in sparsely haired areas like the ear flaps, elbows, and abdomens, but can spread to the entire body without effective treatment. That's so interesting. I feel like that's a really valid interpretation. There, there's actually a lot of proof for this. Um, yeah. One of them was actually Madeline... Uh, Tolentino's personal account. In a report, she said that it had some round thing on its body, and the regions seemed ashen as if something burned it there. The burn mark revealed pinkish purple skin as if the top layer had fallen off. And this is a really good sign of sarcoptic mange, like a bad sarcoptic mange infection. Doesn't mange like kill wild animals if it gets bad enough? Like, yeah. I've seen pictures of raccoons with mange and they look like cryptids. They, then in Elmendorf, Texas, a rancher shot and killed a suspected chupacabra. She was, quote, wrinkled, her teeth were exposed, and she had a blue tint to her hairless body. Can you guys look up the Elmendorf monster? I'm on it, Chief. Is it going to be a goose? No. Okay. Oh, that's just a, like a fox or a coyote yeah. with mange. It's just like a dog with mange. Foxes, oh, I've seen foxes coyote. with mange. They're pretty sad looking. Aww. Yeah. So. He, that, he's that, not a monster. That does not have goose feet. No. <laughs> a wildlife biologist named Brian Mesendrink. Confirmed. Look, no goose feet on this thing. No goose feet. <laughs> a wildlife biologist named Mesen. Brian Messenbrink looked at the photos and concluded that it was a coyote with mange. Mm. But it was later proven that the Elmendorf monster was in fact a dog with sarcoptic mange. And this thing's clearly got an asshole. I'm looking at it right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> it be pooping. How far did you zoom in for that, Kelsey? Some more information that is supporting this is actually the way the animals died. All of the animals had two puncture marks into the untrained eye. They appeared to be drained of blood. This can be explained by how a canid's instinct when they hunt is to go for the throat. When they do this, they rupture arteries and veins, leaving two holes, the MO of the chupacabra. The airway swells up, and they eventually suffocate. A coyote or another type of canid will move on to the next one and will continue this until they either eat, they get scared off, or they become too tired. As for the loss of blood, it can be explained by a natural process called liver mortis. The blood will be affected by gravity and sink to the bottom of the body. This gives the illusion of blood loss until you turn the body over and reveal a puddle of blood either on the ground or inside the body itself. 
they would see the lack of blood and would instantly think of the chupacabra. In some reports of when the police were called about a chupacabra attack, they were simply called because they didn't think there was enough blood for the attack. Yeah, you you and me have both dissected enough roadkill to, like, know, like, what this kind of looks like. Yeah. Which I always, I always feel like when I hear stories about cattle mutilation and stuff, the same way, where it's just like, yeah, things don't have loose flowing blood in them after they've been dead for a few hours like it's all it's all coagulated in the bottom of mm-hmm. it my favorite theory is that there wasn't a monster at all there was just mass hysteria going along so they the people of this town were scared their animals were dying in some mysterious way and the media projected this fear this spread over Latin America and the southern United States in a firm in a term they lovingly call Chupamania. Chupamania! <laughs> Can I go to that music festival? Chupamania! A cryptid themed rave? Wait, I'd oh go to that. God. 10 out of 10. Yep. You didn't like the wild walk because it was full of furries, though. That's fair. <laughs> that is a very good point. <laughs> That's the problem. Chupamania is going to get taken over. But Can you furry. imagine how obs- obnoxious, like, a Mothman furry would be? Well, that at least so the cool. Mothman is already sexualized. What? Like, they didn't have to do it themselves. Yes. This reached a climax in Mexico City in 1996 when Abigail Carlos de a 25-year-old nurse, fell down a flight of stairs in front of her house. Her arm had a compound fracture, and she was crying to her mom that the chupacabra had gotten her. According to her brother, Jose, a black-winged mass, it turned out to be It's got wings now? A black-winged mass (laughs) (laughs) flew away through the dusk, but this black-winged mass turned out to be a flock of sparrows. Oh. (laughs) Why did you do that? So they've combined the flock of sparrows with the mange dog. And a goose. And a goose. She straight up thought that because she fell down the stairs, the chupacabra had gotten her. She like tripped and fell. Does the chupacabra push people downstairs? No. How old was she? 25. Oh, so she wasn't like five. Oh. She was like an adult adult. Don't say that. That's how old I just well, turned. Well, <laughs> like... Fun fact. This is where the term little green man came from, but we'll get into that. Bold start. <laughs> in 1955, in Kelly Hopkinsville, Kentucky, two families were together having dinner. 11 people were present, including eight adults. Honestly, this sounds like a really fun crew based on like just the ages and the names. But 21-year-old Billy Taylor had been outside. He ran into the house saying he'd just seen an egg-shaped flying saucer pass overhead and land in the woods nearby. Nobody believed him, and they continued with dinner. Damn, they really did Billy Next, dirty. <laughs> yeah. They did him Billy, dirty right? by naming him Billy Taylor. <laughs> His full name is Billy Ray Taylor. Billy Ray Taylor, three first names. The Can I just like run through the names yes. real quick and ages just so you yeah. can get a feel for the crowd and you can cut this out if you need to. Let us meet the squad. Meet the squad. First of all, the senior, we got Glennie Lankford, 50. We got Billy Ray Taylor, 21. Lonnie Lankford, 12, Charlton Lankford, 10, Mary Lankford, 7, those are the kids, got Elmer Lucky Sutton, 25, (laughs) J.C. Sutton, 21, Vera Sutton, 29, Arlene Sutton, 27, O.P. Baker, 30 question mark, and June Taylor, 18. So this sounds like an absolute hoot riot of crowd to have dinner with and to see maybe aliens with. So anyways, nobody believes him. They continue with dinner. After a while, the dogs start barking and Billy and Lucky Sutton went out to check. I'm, I'm sorry, but my southern accent's going to come in on this. I can't help it. <laughs> I, I, was, I was hearing it crawl forward. <laughs> it was Every crawling t- out of my throat like the monster from, like, Alien. It sounded normal with all the names, because you got to say them like that. It was when you said the numbers that it really got me. You're like, 27? <laughs> I also like how a 21-year-old is considered a kid, but a 25-year-old is not. 
Don't say that. That hurts. <laughs> Continuing. So, Billy and Lucky went to check and see what the dogs are barking on. And a distance away, they saw a glowing humanoid figure moving towards them through the woods. They described this as a three to four foot tall creature with big round head, no neck, big flowing like bat-like ears, long skinny arms, Big old hands and large glowing yellow eyes set really low and far apart on the face. The details of the rest of the face vary among the witnesses, but according to all, the creature was radiating a faint light and seemed to be a metallic gray color. The legs were described as inflexible and they walked with like a motion that they likened to wading through water. So usually to move faster, the creature would propel itself with their hands for better movement. No goose feet. No goose feet. There's no good. So some, some of the witnesses said that they had suction cup feet, and then the other witnesses said they didn't get a good look at the feet. <laughs> so just like octopus tentacles. It's just strange little guys. Suction sounds. Suction this sound. is beginning to sound like... No, there, no. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. <laughs> the other witnesses are like, why are y'all fuckers looking at the feet? That's gross. <laughs> you know Lucky loves his feet. <laughs> so once it got closer to the house, it raised its long arms above the head. And because it's Kentucky, the boys pulled out guns and opened fire. In response, <laughs> of course, as you do. In response to being shot, the creature quickly somersaulted backwards into the woods. <laughs> so that's how it really moves fast. <laughs> yeah, now we really see what's up. And like, throughout this whole thing, the things don't seem to really obey physics. And we'll get into that more in a second. But So by now, everyone in the house has been gathered at the window and saw this creature. And so they were all pretty freaked out. They hid the, there's like three children involved. And I also think like the 18 year old June was her first name. She also hid with the children under a bed. And then all the other adults posted up with guns. Jesus again, Christ. Kentucky. Did you say a, a time for this? When was this? This was 1955. 55. Okay. Yeah. And we're starting out at about dinner time. This whole event takes place. Um, we'll, we'll see. After a while. One of the freaky goblin things was spotted at the window, and of course they shot at it, and they proceeded to basically get into a firefight with these creatures. So they would shoot at the little guys, and it didn't seem to hurt them. Like, they get knocked back, but jump right back up. And they said that when the bullet hit them, it would make a sound like a bullet hitting a tin bucket. So it would just bounce off, and upon being hit, the creatures would glow momentarily more intensely, and then it would fade again, and they were just, like, unharmed. So there were somewhere between, like, four and 15 of these things. Because they were scurrying around and moving around so fast, they didn't know, like, how many there even were. They were shooting these little assholes left and right. They were in the trees. They were on the roof. They were scurrying all over the place. Honestly, this kind of sounds fun as hell. <laughs> it's like... Okay game really wild whack-a-mole <laughs> yeah it feels like a like one of those like you you shoot the balloons at the circus or whatever but it's life or death <laughs> but it's aliens yeah. but it might somersault you to oblivion at any moment <laughs> yeah anyway so these things were really weird like they said like i said they didn't seem to obey physics really so for example one was shot out of a tree and instead of it falling, it just slowly floated to the ground. Like a leaf? Yeah. So after a while, the men retreated back into the house off of the porch. And the creatures kind of settled into a pattern of slowly sneaking up to the windows, being shot at, then running back in the woods repeat. Um, the people would hear them crawling around on the roof. And by 11 p.m., they had emptied several boxes of ammunition, and they were getting nowhere. So they just kind of waited for things to calm down for a minute, and then made a break for the cars. At this point, they got everybody, 11 people, into, I assume, a couple cars. All in one car. <laughs> I, like the, I like the, like, Clampets version of events in which they're all piled into one car, and they all go to the... So they went straight to the police station. 
all piled out of the car like a bunch of clowns. But they explained the situation at the police station and believe it or not, the police took them very seriously. That the police take seriously. Cool. Because it's 1950 and everyone's white. Mm. So, cool. <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> so 16 policemen were sent to the house with the family. A reporter, a photographer, and a couple of randos also joined the party. Oddly, on the way there, one of the policemen reported seeing a strange meteor flying away from the farm. The police searched the farm and the house until about 2 a.m. And they kind of found a couple things, sort of. In one of the places where a creature had been shot, a luminous patch was still visible on the ground, but fading. And then another officer claimed to have seen a, a glowing figure running through the woods, but it was too far away to tell. After the police left, the group tried to settle down and go to bed, but within an hour, the creatures were back. So Mrs. Langford woke up to see one of the goblins staring at her through the window. No creeper. Like, you up? <laughs> her son, Lucky, shot at it and it ran away and the same routine as before ensued where the creatures would kind of sneak up and crawl around on the house and they would shoot them and they would crawl back into the woods. And this went on until 5 a.m., God. The creatures receded into the woods as the sun came up, and the incident was over. The press reported on the story, and it gained a lot of media attention. This is where kind of a game of telephone takes place over the story, and a lot of the reports get kind of morphed as it spreads. One newspaper ran the headline, Little Green Men Harass Kentucky Farm Family, which, if I'm being honest, is a little wordy. I think they could have punched it up a little bit. But that's where the phrase came from. That's why we say little green men. Even though it was bad reporting and it should have been little gray men, but I digress. So that's the Hopkinsville goblin incident. So they called them goblins after that? They, it fits like little gray alien, but they get referred to as goblins a lot, which like, I guess makes sense. Like I picture little gray aliens as like, it's got like a prober and it's being really serious and it's wearing a tiny lab coat. But like goblins are like scurrying all over the place and grabbing you at you and stuff. Did so, you choose this because of your goblin core aesthetic? I love a goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Even when they're gray and bulletproof. That makes them better. Badass, frankly. Absolutely. Well, they knew the police were going to show up eventually and they were like... They, they zooted out of there on the, the, the guy, the policeman saw a, a meteor. It was definitely a spaceship. Obviously, I don't believe in any of this, but you know, in theory, <laughs> it, it was, was definitely, they, they zooted out of there because they knew the police were coming. And then when the family came back and the police left, they zooted back in and tormented them some more. Did they keep coming back? Like, did the, is the family no. safe or are they dead? Like, yeah, I so. they're dead now. Miss Langford at least is gone. Um, but R.I.P. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> she might have been a piece of work. Who knows? Kentucky in 55? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, apparently like after this, it became big headlines and people started showing up at the farm and mm. to the point where like the family couldn't even like use it as a working farm so instead of that they just started charging admission since you're gonna have all these people on your property anyways hey but that's then, enterprising yeah that's enterprising but then people started saying oh you made it up so that you could charge admission to your farm and so it's kind of a a lose-lose a win-lose i don't know i almost feel bad for them i do too like either it was not true they sound like a really fun crew absolutely a, a group of people i would fake a goblin sighting with in a minute but on the other hand maybe they're just some some good old simple kentucky farmer people and they didn't ask for this now they got goblins crawling all over the place reaching in your windows and grabbing at your wife before i begin i would like to reflect on a poem I wrote it. <laughs> Great. Here it goes. I am not just a frog, but I come from Ohio. <laughs> Strong start. Yes, our boy. 
Our voice. <laughs> I have no tail, but I leave a tale to tell. <laughs> Fear not, officer. <laughs> I will not bite. But when I do, it will be a sight. That's right, babes. I'm talking about the goddamn Loveland Frog. Fuck yes! Shakespeare. <laughs> From the depths of the Ohio landscape, the Loveland <laughs> what Frog. What depths? Wow, There's some marshes. The Loveland Frog was born in the marshes near Loveland, Ohio. Just when you thought Ohio couldn't be any scarier, a four-foot-tall humanoid frog appeared with a distinct, distinct smell of, you guessed it, <laughs> almonds and alfalfa. Wait, what? <laughs> that sounds like a delicious cocktail flavor. Fucking Bath and Body Works soap. I'm like, this is what you buy your dad on Father's Day. I think it's like almonds and alfalfa. I'm pretty sure my dad had like a hand cream that smelled like Nineteen fifty-five is when the very first appearance was documented by a traveling salesman. I don't know why nineteen fifty-five is like the theme of the night. The cryptids were um, out. They were out and about. Um, but this guy was just passing across a bridge over the Little Miami River when he saw three distinct frogs conversing in the shadows. <laughs> just, just having, having a meeting, having well, a chat, and they were annoyed he was there. So they were like pointing and stuff at them, kind of like, "We'll put it, we'll put a pin in our conversation and stare at this annoying salesman." Um, We've so they all were been like grouped up on the sidewalk talking shit, and then we all turn and and like, just "Who the watch. fuck are you?" That was what <laughs> they were doing to this salesman mean girl energy on these frogs and so it's really interesting because the salesman is like the first guy who sees them and then they're not seen for multiple years but he goes and tells everyone in town and everyone's like you're kind of full of crap man but he still sticks with his story and then later on there was a sighting that involved the police Mm, and you know you can trust the police <laughs> all the time. <laughs> what, what, what a credible source. <laughs> and so this one was interesting because in this la in the first sighting, the beast was seen with multiple frogs. There's like multiple people. But in this oh. one, the officer <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say people <laughs> multiple <laughs> Frog men, frog woman, frogoids. Yeah, <laughs> the frogs, the frogoids. Um, but the interesting thing is, the officer only saw one of them and recorded bright, glowing eyes of this creature, and it scurried across the road to avoid the vehicle, which is like kind of scurry. whoa, scurrying. You don't tend to think about amphibians scurrying, right? They use the word scurrying. So the creature then hopped over the guardrail, leaving nothing behind but a series of scratch marks in the metal guardrail. So there's like oh. claw marks in the guardrail. Frogs don't have claws? No, they don't. Last time I checked? There's a frog that can, it can literally break its toe bones to shove them out like claws. Interesting. Does it live in Ohio? No. No. But obviously, some investigation was in order. And in the weeks following, another officer ran into a similar creature and shot it in cold blood. Of course they did. Why? Wait, hey, is that a, is that an amphibian pun, cold blood? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for noticing. <laughs> so now we have solid proof, because this is dead. This is a dead animal. They take it in, and it is a gigantic iguana. Yeah, right. In Cute. Ohio. In Ohio. And so they're thinking that this was someone's pet that they just released. It got way too big. It's a gigantic iguana. But still, there's some things that don't quite add up. Like, one, the Loveland frog sightings have distinctly no tails. And iguanas have very, very large tails. And in both, like, the first sighting, and then there is, was a sighting a little later on that I'll discuss regarding Pokemon Go, um, pretty fun. 
but there is distinctly no tail. And I think that this is like important to bring up because iguanas have gigantic tails. And they use their tails to, when they run. Exactly. So they're like whipping it around. And then another part of the equation is iguanas are diurnal. They're not typically hanging around at night. And when they are, it's like they're in a little hole somewhere trying to like regulate because they're ectotherms. So it's like these iguanas hanging out at night talking to their other frogmen. Suspicious. Hmm. They can't all be iguanas. Wait, but with the, the night thing, what if, but frogs are also cold-blooded. They're also ectotherms. Frogs will but, come out at night. But they do hang out at night. Why do frogs do that? I actually have never thought about that, but frogs are always out at night, mm-hmm. aren't they? Something to think about. Because they're all secretly people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're humanoid four-foot feet figures that don't have tails, and they have human legs. But frogs, we know now, are just like the first stage, and then the Loveland frog is like the fifth. Oh, you think it's evolved? Yeah. Mm. Tadpole to frog to bigger frog to bipedal frog to loveland frog. And then the third thing is this is the Pokemon Go incident. So this was in 2016. Um, this was by two Pokemon Go enth- enthusiasts were looking for Pikachu, but they found the loveland frog instead. Arguably okay. cooler. Yeah, I would agree. That's a real life Pokemon. A real life polygraph. Yeah, and they claimed. Polygraph is a Pokemon, and it's just like a giant buff-ass frog. The only Pokemon I know the name of is Pikachu and Charmander. It's Squirtle. Squirtle. I'm going <laughs> to pull up. Question. Is the Loveland frog buff? Well, it doesn't really say. Really what I'm getting from this cryptid is he's just kind of a judgy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love it. He sits on the side of the road and bitches with his friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but these Pokemon Go kids, they were certain that they saw the Loveland Frog and that he stood up and walked on its hind legs out of the water. I love the idea of like a three foot tall frog leaning against the guardrail, smoking a cigarette, judging the shit out of all the passing cars. Yup, yup. Why do all of your imageries involve smoking a cigarette? I like, I like gestating with a cigarette. Honestly, a cigarette, like someone judging you with a cigarette is one of the bitchiest things someone can do. (laughs) That's fair. I've been on both sides of that and yeah, it feels good. And so with this Pokemon Go sighting, there is actually a photo that these kids got. I'm going to show you the photo of the frog with its glowing eyes. (laughs) Is he wearing sneakers? I don't know. My, I love this image. It's so funny. This one is not has not been confirmed as a sighting, that's but I think I it's great. But it does have the metal guardrail. It does have the metal guardrail. And that's something that I find really interesting is like, an iguana is not going to be able to scratch a metal guardrail, I don't believe. They like, do have nails, but those things aren't... Not... Like they're made for cars. They're not made for small reptiles. Exactly. And like, it's not going to be, even if it's like a gigantic iguana, like... Iguanas don't strike unless they're threatened, which maybe it could be by the car. But why would it be scratching on the guardrail, you know? And I don't think it would go over it. I think an iguana would go under it. Yeah, right? Doesn't that make more sense? I like the imagery of just the Loveland frog actually being in that encounter and just throwing an iguana. Yeah, just thinking of it. Oh, it was a red herring. (laughs) They're like, take this off, sir. Psych. Yeah, but that's the story of the Loveland frog. I believe. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I real. I think he's he exists. I have a joke. Why doesn't the Loveland frog use a condom? <laughs> Why? He's always frog dogging. <laughs> no. Get out of my house. Cryptozoology has a long and storied history. People have been smoking shit and thinking they saw Bigfoot in the woods of the Pacific Northwest for over 70 years. But more recently, the internet has allowed this field to really run wild. The cryptid 
I'm going to share with you today is one of the OG internet cryptids and a really cool example of how the internet can create media lore. Hmm. It originated in 2002 on a Japanese forum website under a thread called Giant Fish Monster Fish. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Starting out strong. How to get the fish by the cross. The Japanese are really good at making cryptids. <laughs> that they are. They've made, they've made an industry out of it. The original post claims to be reporting a story told to them by someone on a Japanese whaling vessel in the Southern Ocean off the coast of Antarctica. Supposedly, they witnessed a whale-like humanoid figure with two eyes and a mouth-like hole on its face. It was pale blue and nearly 100 feet long. What does a mouth-like hole look like? Could you please like, describe hey, that hey, to hey, me? Like... <laughs> <laughs> like that. <laughs> Wikipedia has an artist's interpretation that's like a whale face just on top of human legs. Um, and I feel like I need to show you guys that immediately, just so you guys know. Um, this is what's on Wikipedia. <laughs> oh my god! It's our boy. Me. It's, it's our boy. But this appears to be an outlier, because most of the other representations I saw are like largely whale bodies with just absolutely jacked human arms. That's so funny. Yeah, they use them to caress anime protagonists. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. The post calls the creature Ningen, which means human in Japanese, owing to its human-like form and apparent sentience. One Western media outlet stated that Ningen sightings most often occur at night, but that convincing photographs either don't exist or are being covered up by a government that doesn't want to invite scrutiny into their Antarctic operations. Covered up by the government! <laughs> we'll get to this later. This brings us to our main source. I found an 18-page scholarly journal article about the cultural power of the Ningen, and you can bet your ass I read the whole thing. <laughs> I have six pages worth of notes. <laughs> it cites things like the Russian Laboratory of Theoretical Folkloristics and trends such as mermaidization. And it also acts like I'm supposed to know what these things are, which is great. This article takes you on a journey from this original post to the media sensation that is the Ningen. After a lot of speculation on the original thread, including a Google Earth image from 2005 of like, a particularly sea monster-shaped iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not buying this Google Earth at all. I'll let you know. The Ningen really gets its big break into pop culture. <laughs> this is for me. Hussie, I need you to know that I'm going to get to this. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait. Just wait. We'll get there. A 2007 manga featured a journalist who tries to research the Ningen. He eventually loses his mind and kills himself after hearing the Ningen's furious roars. Apparently, to the listener, it sounded like the creature was screaming the words just unforgivable over and over again. Oh, what did, okay, so this guy did something. So, mm. yeah, there's that. It's apparently just Guilty. screaming just unforgivable. Jesus. Japanese horror stories like to end with suicide though just like as a trend <laughs> yes oh. that's that's gonna be a theme here <laughs> on the other hand in 2008 there was a j-pop song called nankyoku no ningen which is also the name of my cocktail <laughs> because it means ningen of the arctic and this oh. song is sung by hatsune miku who i've actually heard of there's supposedly like a really wild music video for this and i could not for the life of me find it the article also cites deviant art, including this one of a primordial Shinto goddess, Jay Chillin with the Ningen. But I'd say the cryptid itself is largely overshadowed in this piece by this woman's massive tits. <laughs> I was about to say, we cannot start referencing, like, citing deviant art for things. Oh my god. <laughs> it's, deviant art is in this thing's bibliography. That is, like, a pornographic manga. That looks like something I would hang in my apartment. It's kind of cool. Here's the thing. I, I found some, like, kind of sick art of the Ningen as well. It really, like, goes the full span. Because there's some that you're like, that's horrifying. Like, some of it is, like, someone, something that people made on Photoshop in their basement and are not proud of. Some of it is, like, beautiful art. Hmm. The Ningen is to Japanese girls as the Slender Man is to American girls, where you're... The weirdos want to fuck it. 
Now, there's also a lot of talk connecting the Ningen to this anime called Neon Genesis Evangelion. This is where I need the theme. It's what I watched last night. <laughs> is it actually? Working my way back there. Just wait till what I'm about to say. <laughs> now, I don't know anything about this show, um, so I called Kelsey's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Tree Boy. <laughs> Shout out, Tree Boy. Uh, he told me the connection between the Ningen and the show is pretty loose. Uh, he said, sure, the Ningen looks like one of the angels from the show. Gave me the whole backstory. It was great. Did you really? <laughs> Kelsey, your boyfriend and I had a 20-minute conversation the other day about this. I told him not him. to. Good for him. I, here's the thing. So I texted him and I said, hey, what do you know about this show? I'm doing podcast research. Oh, he, he goes, knows too much he, about that show. His response, too much. <laughs> he then goes, also, who is this? <laughs> Y'all were on a group text. He didn't fucking save my number. What a bastard. We're what a bastard. <laughs> um, so then we had this whole conversation. Eventually, I asked too difficult of a question. He's like, can I just call you? <laughs> So then we talked about this for a while. God. <laughs> so yeah, he told me that sure, the Ningen looks like one of the angels from this show, but also like so do a lot of things. It also looks like a weird sperm. Uh, <laughs> those are his words, not mine. That um, sounds right. Yeah, so thank you, Tree Boy, for that analysis. <laughs> Around 13 pages into this article, the following sentence hits me like a fucking truck. The most extended fictional representation of the Ningen in English language published to date is Paul Rudd's 2018 cyberpunk fantasy novel. <laughs> <laughs> what? research and I could not confirm that this is the same Paul Rudd who gets with his stepsister in Clueless <laughs> but I also couldn't definitively disprove it so in the spirit of cryptids we can choose to believe I did mark it to read on Goodreads though <laughs> we'll, we'll have a little pop up in another episode in the future after you've read that book where you give us the tea on it. <laughs> I can give you an update on how it ends um, I read a little bit of a description of it, and I don't really remember what the meat of it is, but I do know that at the end, it's basically about how humans evolve into Ningens in sort of like an AI sense, and how that's like meant to be our final form. Ooh, I don't want to very... be a sperm. <laughs> you are, you <laughs> are. <laughs> I want to be, be a whale with absolutely like jacked arms. These, that sounds yeah, so This fun. thing's wild. Can I show you okay. uh, figure five of the article, which is my favorite art of the Ningen? Yes. Absolutely. I'm thrilled. This is sick. Oh, oh my god. Oh, it's gigantic. Why does it kind of have like saggy old man teeth? <laughs> it reminds me of like a beluga whale. Yeah, that's purposeful. Oh. Yeah, it's so it's very whale-like. Um, it's probably supposed to be not a beluga, but it looks more beluga because it's, like, white. white. <laughs> this is my other favorite one. Um, I think it's really cute. Mm. Lovely. Thank you. Liv told me that I was nuts for thinking this one was adorable. Was, the human arms are not as cute because, like, I'm picturing him, like, he swims up. You're swimming yeah. in the beach. Honk, honk, grabs your boobs, swims away. <laughs> He does look rather mischievous. But look at yeah. his little smile. He's got like a little smirk going. He's got kind of like a salamander face that I adore. He does. That's I love so a salamander right. face. Finally, in 2013, someone pulls up claiming to be the discoverer of the Ninyan, the person the original forum poster spoke with about it back in 2002. Now they paint a dramatic picture of being deserted by their lover who then tries to kill the Ningen, but is thwarted when she is propelled away from it by its flatulence. I've definitely seen this anime. I can't even make this shit up. His farts farts sent her away. Yeah, she tries, she and her new lover try to kill the Ningen, and it farts and propels her away from it, and the Ningen is saved. That's so funny. That's, That's an amazing defense mechanism. I hope it's real. It, this is theoretically from the source who discovered it. <laughs> it's me and Badlander. <laughs> it's Kelsey after her sausage. Mm, yeah, that's the... summer sausage and mm. farts. Why are there such farts in this episode? <laughs> Listen, the theme of this episode is farts, 1955, and feet. I want you to know that I calculated that 70 years thing earlier based on 1950. Because oh. that's when, like, 
cryptozoology was coined. That's also when, like, we were starting to get really into space. I bet there's a correlation mm-hmm. to there. And lots of drugs. Mm. That and, I like, think this makes sense with the previous episode. <laughs> yeah, people were, like, inventing LSD. <laughs> <laughs> now... This text concludes with the suggestion that the Ningen is not, in fact, a creature, but a manifestation of the author's state of mind. I absolutely reject this load of heart of darkness horseshit, but there may be more to the metaphorical resonance of the Ningen. To really understand how we got here to Ningen farts, we have to understand the history of the whaling industry. I bet Ninian farts are real fishy, too. I bet they smell bad. Like a giant good. shrimp, maybe. <laughs> Ningen oh. farts is a great name for a drink. <laughs> so it's a shot, for farts. sure. Yeah. Ningen farts is a shot, and also like a, a girly punk rock band. Yeah, It's a, oh it's a drop shot. <laughs> You're so right. Now, <laughs> there have been Japanese whaling fleets in the Southern Ocean since the 30s. There's a lot of modern controversy around this, though. Countries like Australia and New Zealand have threatened Japan with sanctions if they don't cease these research expeditions. Mm. There's been a lot of sensationalized activism in the media, so it makes sense that people on the internet in Japan would be thinking about whales and Antarctica. It's at this (laughs) Yeah. I'm always thinking about whales and Antarctica. Those are the two the two lobes of my brain. Whales Whales and Antarctica. Antarctica. Also, like, remembering not to piss myself. That's all my brain does. (laughs) It's at this point that I realized this article that cited fandom wikis alongside Freud's interpretation of dreams is making a really interesting argument about how industry, culture, and interspecies interactions influence how we understand vast natural phenomena like the ocean. The article dubs this the aquapelagic imaginary. That's a, Shit. that's a word. Isn't that a word? She said academic. Here's the thing. That's in their abstract, and they don't explain it. It says, a manifestation of the modern aquapelagic imaginary, and I wrote, what the fuck does that mean? Um, this bitch then- is graduating in approximately two weeks. <laughs> and this is what I'm doing instead of all of the assignments I have to do. You want to hear their explanation later in the intro where they explain the aquapelagic imaginary? This is their explanation of it. Wherein communities' engagements with their aquapelagic locales in folk media loric contexts can be understood to reflect upon and transcend perceptions of the limits of human presence in and experience of aquatic species. The aquapelagic imaginary, in turn, can best be regarded as an instantiation and or subset of a wider social imaginary. Damn. It really said that and then showed a picture of trees. <laughs> This article was insane. Insane. This was published in a journal? Yes! What journal? It was published in Shima Journal in 2019. Damn. Anyway, off of the aquapelagic imaginary. The article concludes by positing that the Ningen may reflect a social consciousness about commercial whaling activity and act as a pseudo-representative of whale sentience. The Ningen is legitimately political. It's been called everything from the fantasy of anti-whaling protesters to an expression of indifference to cetacean rights. Environmental politics aside, the Ningen is a really fascinating example of the internet's power to subtly influence public consciousness. The article says it best. In the work of writers such as Rudd, the adoption... In the work of writers such as Rudd, the adoption of the Ningen in media has facilitated an exploration of what it is to be human, what it is to be whale, and what it is to imagine becomings and evolutions that transcend these fixed identities. Damn. I was going to make a joke here about identifying as a whale, but I honestly love that quote too much to make fun of it. <laughs> Pretty that was That was profound, and I did not expect it to really like get there the way that it Here's did. the thing. This article does not convince me that the Ningen is real. However, it does convince me of like the emotional and social power the Ningen holds, and I love it with my whole heart. Hey, that's real, and that's all that matters. That shit's real. The Ningen is a part of us all. I love the Ningen <laughs> so much. Swimming around in our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> As a little bonus, I also watched a YouTube video called What If the Loch Ness Monster Fought the Ningen? (laughs) 
and quality research. Despite their ecological concerns of fresh versus saltwater environments for this fight, <laughs> which they spend about three minutes of this four-minute video on, their conclusion was that Nessie is agile and can squeeze the Ningen like a boa constrictor, but that the Ningen is smarter and has opposable thumbs, so it can mm, hold a weapon. Wait, they did, can also wait. work the clit. Wait, wait, did you say fight or fuck? Fight. Okay. Oh, I thought you said fuck too. Yeah. <laughs> That's where the clit um, joke came from. I was wondering why you went to that immediately. Okay. Um, and actually there aren't too many concerns about Nessie being uh, salt water. Because it water. doesn't exist? No, because <laughs> one of the theories behind Nessie is that it's a Greenland shark and it travels into the Loch Ness Canal. But Greenland sharks can be in salt water, and that that's was true. that's actually supported by a story of in like fourteen oh nine. This guy was in the water, and he got grabbed by this giant green thing, not green, gray thing, and it like dragged him under. He ended up dying. Uh, be, uh, then I, how do we know what happened? Because everybody saw it. Oh. This also happened during a baptism, which I think is. So funny. Tries to devote his life to God and immediately gets eaten by a Greenland shark. That's so funny. Well, washed in the blood, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask for thoughts on the Ningen using a weapon? Because it has hands. Oh, it can shoot a gun. I love the image of a Ningen holding two AR-15. I just don't know where it would get, like, feasibly get a weapon. Like, would it... I can see it like collecting something from the bottom of the ocean, yeah. like a knife. It's Ooh, like a sharpened like yeah. whale bone. Yeah, something like I like the idea of like okay. a natural a shell. He's or, just like, like a, holding yeah. a shark and like tornadoing <laughs> it. <laughs> shark, that's how Sharknado happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like all these suggestions, but personally, I enjoyed Christopher Spicer's suggestion in the comments of this video. Which says, I would love to see the Ningen use the space needle and throw it like a harpoon at the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, given what we know about whaling now, is a little on the nose, but <laughs> I really enjoyed how fucking large he thinks the Ningen is and that it could yeet the space, space needle, needle to Scotland. I'm also glad Beautiful. that um, me and Luke both simultaneously <laughs> misunderstanding fight for fun <laughs> is like an equally deep whale. And, yeah. like, I. I want to see the Ningen fight the Loch Ness Monster, but I also want to see the Ningen fuck the Loch Ness Monster. I want to see the Ningen. Here's the thing, I'm sure that deviant art exists. As our facts alluded to, cryptozoology is not new. The folklore these stories draw from goes back thousands of years. 6,000 to be specific. If you're in the Young Earth Creationism camp. The Young Earth Creationism camp of cryptids? Yeah, so let me pull my soapbox over. There's a group of mostly really religious people who believe that Genesis creation story is absolute historical fact, and so is the rest of the Bible. This is actually the brand of Christianity I grew up in. Fun fact, obviously, I don't believe this anymore. I totally reject it now. But growing up in church, I was taught that the earth was created in six literal days, 6,000 years ago, and humans and dinosaurs existed together till this is where it ties into cryptozoology because young earth creationists, well, some of them, some young earth creationists believe that there are still living dinosaurs out there and if they can find them it would disprove the evil theory of evolution forever basically it's just another branch of the pseudoscience tree and while it's mostly all mothmen blowjobs and wacky frogman encounters once you get into the religious parts of it it quickly becomes very problematic honestly we could do a whole episode on it fuck ken ham <laughs> Creationism aside, yes, cryptozoology is a pseudoscience. It doesn't follow the scientific method. In fact, it eschews it. But it's too daggum fun for me to care sometimes. One of the major critiques of it as a field is that professional cryptozoologists, that's in hard quotes, (laughs) rarely have a background in the natural sciences. Yeah, so we're uh, kind of more qualified than a lot of these goons. Exactly. Exactly. That's all for this episode of Biobabes. 
Join us next time on BioBabes. You've heard of birds, right? Well, get ready for worse birds. That's right. Next week, we're talking about bats. They're like birds, except sometimes their face looks like Chonk from the Goonies. These are, these jokes are bad. They're not good this time. They're never good, but like it's funny that they're bad. These are just bad and these are the best I could find. So it turns out the cryptid joke well is bone dry and I dredged through all the Bigfoot toe puns to find these and they're just, they're still, it's not a lot. Here we go. What do you call Bigfoot in Europe? Big meter. Oh God. What does Bigfoot do at the gym? Sasquats. <laughs> what do you call a Bigfoot with an STD? <laughs> Sasquatch. This is the last one. You can cut this one out if it's, if it's rough. Bigfoot is like a father to me. I've only ever seen him in blurry old photos. That's all I have.